Breonna Taylor. What happened, why it happened, and where we go from here. My name is Robert John Boyle. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd. You are listening to RJB365. I don't think any of us were surprised by what we learned today. I think the announcement last week that the family of Breonna Taylor was going to be receiving a settlement of $12 million was a sign. I think earlier this week when we found out the Louisville Police Department was putting the entire city into a state of emergency and canceling paid time off for police officers was a sign. And then earlier today at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron told us the decision of the grand jury in the Breonna Taylor case, and we were informed that no charges were going to be brought for the murder of Breonna Taylor, and that instead, one officer, Brett Hankinson, was going to be charged with wanton endangerment for shooting into the nearby apartments. So before I dive into all of my thoughts related to this, I think it's important just to back up and give some context because I think a lot of people have heard Brianna Taylor's name, but far fewer really understand why the police were at that apartment and what actually happened that night. So for the why the police were at that apartment, Brianna Taylor was dating a guy who was in and out of jail and was a part of a gang. And at times, he had drugs delivered to that apartment, money went through that apartment. And so the police were targeting that apartment specifically in order to try to get rid of or break up this drug ring that they thought was operating through that apartment. What the police did not know is that Brianna Taylor hadn't seen that man in quite some time. She was no longer dating him and that she was actually dating Kenneth Walker. Another thing that the police did not know is that they thought Brianna Taylor was going to be home alone the night when they went to execute the no-knock warrant. She was not home alone. She was there with her current boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, and they had just come back from dinner, from a day of just hanging out and being with each other. So the night in question, there was a no-knock warrant, yes, but they did knock. The reason we know this is because both Kenneth, Kenneth Walker and Sergeant Mattingly say that there was knocks. The key distinction here is what happened subsequently. So in Kenneth Walker's telling of the events that night, they heard knocks, they got out of bed, and Brianna Taylor was screaming, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? While they were both getting dressed. They also say that they never heard the police identify themselves. Police, police. The police will tell you, and this comes from Sergeant Mattingly's account of what happened, that the exact opposite. They never heard anything coming from inside the apartment, even though they were knocking, and that they identified themselves as police many, many times. So based on those two accounts, the only thing we know for sure is that there was knocking, but we don't know who was speaking and who heard 
it's important to note at this point that Daniel Cameron said they had one witness who will testify or who has testified to hearing the police identify themselves. What he left out of that is that the other 11 witnesses say they did not hear the police identify themselves. So for me, I believe that that one person may have thought they heard the police identify themselves, but the fact that the other 11 people say that they definitely did not hear the police identify themselves tells me much more. For me, the way that I view this in my head is that the police knocked, did not identify themselves. Maybe they couldn't hear Brianna Taylor, but what clearly went down is that Kenneth Walker thought that there was a home invasion going on. He thought specifically that this might be Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend coming in to the home. And so Kenneth Walker, who is a registered gun owner, who has never fired the gun outside of a gun range in his life, shoots first. And he actually shoots Sergeant Mattingly in the leg, at which point Mattingly and the other two officers start to fire wantonly into the apartment. Now, what was new for me, what I didn't know, is that I originally thought that Brett Hankinson, the person who was charged with wanton endangerment, who after Mattingly was shot, went into the parking lot and started shooting into that apartment and nearby apartments. I thought he was responsible for the death, the murder of Breonna Taylor. I thought it was the bullets from his gun. Based on what Daniel Cameron said during the press conference, it was actually the bullets either from Mattingly or Cosgrove, not Hankinson. So that's news to me. I'm willing to believe that. I thought going into this that Brett Hankinson was going to be charged with murder because I believed it was his bullets that actually killed Breonna Taylor, but none of that ended up happening. And this is an important point to make because The law protects some and does not bind them, whereas the law binds some and does not protect them. The police in America are an in-group. What that means is that the law will always protect them, but it will not bind them. Black people, and specifically poor black people, or black people associated with criminality in any way, are an out-group which means that the law will bind them, but it will not protect them. To anyone who says that Kenneth Walker is responsible for the death of Breonna Taylor because he shot first, my retort to that is, where is Kenneth Walker's right to stand his ground within a place that he has every right to be? He was Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. He was a registered gun owner. Where is his right to stand his ground in response to what he believed to be a home invasion, in which he rightly believed to be a home invasion, given that 11 out of these 12 witnesses say the police never identified themselves. And my second question is, why, when Sergeant Mattingly was shot, why did he and Cosgrove and Hankinson decide that they were just going to shoot wantonly, blindly, without any clear line of sight into the apartment Instead of retreating into the parking lot, calling for backup, and then yelling 
for Walker and Brianna Taylor to back out of the apartment slowly, like what ended up happening after Brianna Taylor got shot. The punchline of this case for me is very, very clear. Anything the police do can be justified by the law. Anything the police do can be justified by the law. They'll say that this was a good shoot, a justified killing, because Kenneth Walker shot first. And what that says to me is that apparently, apparently in this country, the police need to be assured that they can do anything if they feel that their life is threatened in order to be able to do their job. They need to feel assured that they can do anything despite the consequences in order for them to feel safe enough to do their job, regardless of the impact it has on the people that they are sworn to protect and to serve. Any shooting can be justified. That's what the Breonna Taylor case is showing us. And so I don't want to linger too much on this point. Again, I could have told you that this was going to happen back in June. This is not news to anyone. But what I do want to spend the rest of this podcast discussing is where do we go from here? I think in the short term, there are two things that need to happen. Number one, we need to appoint special prosecutors within the criminal justice system. One of the key problems here is that the criminal justice system is set up where you have the police who enforce the laws and catch the bad guys, and then you have the DA office, the DA's office, who prosecute the crimes. The DA and the police depend on each other. Really, the DA depends on the police to enforce and carry out these things. The problem is when a police officer is the person who does something that is criminal, now you're in kind of a bind because the DA depends on the police. They have lots of personal relationships with the police, and it means that they have a vested interest in those police officers not being held accountable. So you need special prosecutors that exist parallel to the DA's office that have the same power that the DA, DA's office has that have no ties to the police department and whose sole purpose is to investigate and litigate police misconduct. So that's one thing that needs to happen in the short term. Another thing that needs to happen in the short term is we just need to reduce the interactions between police and citizens. Like, it's really that simple, like less police doing traffic stops, less police responding to mental health disputes, less police responding to noise complaints or violations, because what happens sometimes is that the police feel threatened and they know they are assured that they can do anything after they feel threatened and they're going to be defended in that action. And so until we actually create police accountability, we need to reduce the amount of interactions between citizens and police. And then in the very, very long term, in the very, very long term, I think what we need is black economic power. Black economic power. Black people don't have enough economic power in this country. And this country runs on money. This country responds to money. We can't change anything in this political system because we don't have a seat at the table and we don't have a seat at the table 
because you have to buy your way into a seat at the table. And so in the very long term, of course, we want to do all these things. We want to change all these laws. We want to make things happen, but we're not going to be able to make those things happen. We're not going to be able to keep those things in place unless we have the money to do it. We can't fight gentrification just through laws. We need to fight gentrification with black economic power. White landowners wouldn't be able to come into poor black communities and buy everything up if the people in those communities had enough money to own their own homes. Black economic power. And that's a nebulous term. I'm talking about economic inclusion. It's something I'm still learning about, something that I very much am going to be a part of. But what happened to Breonna Taylor is a symptom of our criminal justice system, the way that we police, but it's also a symptom of the fact that black people in this country don't have enough economic power. 